Hello, and a very good day to you. My name is Jim Harris, and this is Heritage Bible Radio. Heritage Bible Radio is an extension of Heritage Bible Church in Boise, where it's my joy to serve as the teaching pastor. Every day, we devote our radio time to studying a portion of the Word of God so you can know Him better through Jesus Christ and serve Him better through your local church. This week on Heritage Bible Radio, Jesus introduces another important contrast that has to do with the subject of prayer. We'll spend this week and the next in Matthew 6, 5 through 8. We'll quickly agree that praying is a good thing. Indeed, it's a commanded thing. We should pray often, even unceasingly. But like most good things, even prayer can be corrupted. We learned last week that giving to those in need can be done in ways that void many blessings from God that you might otherwise expect. The similarity in warnings about giving and prayer is this issue of doing so with hypocrisy in our hearts. In other words, doing a good thing outwardly, but with wrong motivations in the heart. It seems that if we're doing good things for the purpose of appearing to be righteous to our fellow man, well, let's just say that is not pleasing to God. We can conclude then that of utmost importance is that we as Christians know and understand the difference, so that as Colossians 1.10 says, we will walk in a manner worthy of the Lord, to please Him in all respects. Here is today's slice of the sermon entitled, Pray Like This, Part 1. It is not your duty, it is not even possible for you, to try to figure out how or why prayer is effective. And many are led astray by some conclusions that go beyond what the Bible says. So let's look at what the Bible says, let's take it for what it says, let's apply it as it is meant to be applied, and then leave it there and realize you're not going to figure out all the whys and the wherefores. And I want you to understand... Since prayer is one of those things, kind of like Christmas, where there's great theology and there's also a whole bunch of silly mythology, it is quite possible that when we open the Scriptures and look at what God says about prayer, that some of your own long-held beliefs about prayer might be exposed as flawed. It's okay, but don't, don't be frightened. Uh, I thoroughly believe that you will find that what Jesus actually teaches about prayer is both simple and liberating. And if it attacks one of your favorite misunderstandings, understand sacred cows do make good hamburger. And sometimes we need to slaughter them because they're not helping us. Most most things that man comes up with on a subject so close to the heart of God as prayer are just the opposite of what Jesus says. Jesus gives us something simple and liberating and then We think about it real hard and make it complicated and burdensome. All right. When you pray, Matthew chapter 6, verses 5 through 8. Four verses fit quite neatly into a three-point outline. Number one, how and where to pray, how and where not to pray in verse 5. And then verses 6 and 7, how and where to pray. And then verse 8, I think the best verse in this whole chapter about prayer. Why you can pray sincerely. Let's start at verse 5. When you pray, now understand when Jesus says that, he's assuming you're going to pray. He didn't command that you pray. He assumes you're going to pray. God's people pray. You can't know God and not want to pray. It's like prayer is to spiritual life like breathing is to physical life. 
You inhale. You take in what he says to you. That's his word. You exhale. You pour out your heart to him. That's, that's prayer. So when you pray, now he's going to tell you what not to do. You are not to be like the hypocrites, for they love to stand and pray in the synagogues and on the street corners so that they may be seen by men. Truly I say to you, they have their reward in full. Now, this is like all the other examples of the problems that Jesus has used with the teaching of the Pharisees. We started with them at chapter 5, verse 21, and we've gone through a series of them all the way through end of chapter 5, and now he's talked about it in the giving in the beginning of chapter 6, and now he turns to prayer. The Pharisees and the scribes had corrupted and twisted what the Scriptures actually teach. In Jesus' day, most Jews didn't understand the essence of prayer. They didn't understand the essence of a relationship with God because they had been, it had been filtered out under the mound of legalism that, that had been poured over the top of it by the scribes and the Pharisees. And these days, a lot of Christians are equally unsure what to do with prayer. Now, he's talking here about any kind of praying, public, private, specific, general, whatever it might be. There was a tremendous amount of cultural peer pressure for a devoted Jew in that day to pray. There were morning prayers, afternoon prayers, evening prayers. According to the historian Josephus, there were sacrifices, including prayers, that were offered in the temple twice a day in the early morning and at the ninth hour, which is about three o'clock, and there was also a sunset service. So if you were in or near Jerusalem, it was natural to to try to go to the temple as often as possible at those times. If you weren't near the temple, maybe you would try to go to the synagogue as often as possible during those times, or you might even stand on a street corner and pray at those prescribed times. Now, by the way, I don't know if you've ever... um, done it before, but if you've ever been around a, a group of Jewish people uh, praying, you'll see it isn't quite like what we usually do in our prayer meetings. We sit politely in a circle, and we take turns talking to God. Jewish folks usually stand, and they all pray at once. Sometimes they all pray out loud at once. It can be kind of frightening, but When you think about it, that's a whole lot more efficient than the way we do it. I mean, it's not as if God can only listen to one voice at a time. Trust me, with seven and a half billion people on the world and um, quite a few million of them being Christians, there's no time that you can pray that somebody else isn't praying. Don't worry about God being able to sort it out. He has a lot of bandwidth, if you want to use a common terminology. So it was very common for them to pray, and it was a a public thing. In the Old Testament, faithful people prayed while they were standing, while they were kneeling, sometimes while they were lying prostrate, or in no particular posture whatsoever. Uh, The most normal situation in which they prayed was standing. So the part of this verse about stand and pray, that's not the issue. 
that was normal for people to, to stand and pray. The issue was praying in such a way and in such places so as to maximize the possibility of being seen by other people. Just like what he said in the four verses before this. Giving in such a way as to maximize the possibility that people see you give and they praise you for it. Scripture does not condemn public prayer nor does it condemn private prayer in a public place. It's certainly not a problem if you pray on a bus, in a restaurant, uh, wherever uh, you might be. What the Lord is condemning is ostentatious praying. Praying so as to be seen by other people. That's called sin. That's pride. That's, that's arrogance. That's the opposite of humble faith. Making a show of how you pray by calling attention to it so others that will be impressed or how often you pray, telling them how often you pray, boasting about the time that you spend in prayer or the fervor that, that you attach to it. Um, that's, just, that's just out of bounds for what Jesus is talking about. When Jesus spoke of the difference between the Pharisee and the tax gatherer, you know that one over in um, Luke chapter 18, when they when they, they compared the two, praying in the in, in a, actually in a public setting, the hypocrite did it so that there was the greatest likelihood of being noticed. The tax gatherer did it sincerely with the greatest humility, not even willing to lift up his eyes. He was talking to the Lord, and Jesus says that man went down to his house justified, not the other one. So Jesus' message here regarding prayer is that, well, it's the same as giving. It's the same as um, uh, adultery. It's the same as lying. It's the same as, it's the same as anger. It's the same as, as broken relationships. The inner attitude is what's most important. God blesses the heart that is truly and humbly devoted to him. Now, when Jesus spoke this, he was talking to people There were scribes and Pharisees present, and he singles them out and goes after them pretty specifically. But he also uh, is talking to people mainly who were under their influence. And we've got a pretty good example, a pretty good understanding, I should say, of what the teachings about prayer were that were keeping these people in bondage. Some of the errors that had crept into Jewish prayer practices by that time. And we can make a little list of them, and it'll, it'll illustrate... Uh, what Jesus is saying. It'll tell you why Jesus said what he said. And also, I think it'll help you see some of the same problems today. One thing about their prayers is that they had become ritualized. The wording of the prayers was often formulaic. It was memorized to be repeated by rote. Those two or three times a day prayer in the temple could very easily degenerate from genuine devotion into an opportunity to just parade your piosity. You could say the prayer more eloquently than than someone else could because you knew the ritual better. Closely related to that, they had developed prescribed prayers for, for virtually every occasion. Now, you can repeat a prescribed prayer... And it, it happens to be what you genuinely are thinking in your heart, um, that's perfectly fine. But 
It can also be just an outward pretense of devotion. It could be just a show. They also limited prayer to mainly to those specific times and those occasions. Now, there's nothing wrong with praying at predetermined times. If you would like this message on Compact Disc, let me know and we'll send it to you. You'll receive the entire message, not just the portion on today's program. You can order by phone at 353-4036 or by writing to us at 7071 West Emerald, Boise, Idaho, 83704 or on the internet at hbc-boise.org. Heritage Bible Radio needs your prayers and your financial support. Once again, you can reach us online at hbc-boise.org or by telephone at 353-4036 or by writing to us at 7071 West Emerald, Boise, Idaho, 83704. And if you need a church home here in the Treasure Valley, I hope you'll visit us any Sunday at 7071 West Emerald. For Heritage Bible Radio, I'm Jim Harris. See you next time. Bye-bye.